0: to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew.
1: My name is Nancy.
0: And this is the podcast where we talk about movies. And we give our opinions on them and talk about ourselves. So Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm going to start off with a question before we get started.
1: Okay. What
0: would you have for dinner tonight?
1: Ooh, I actually had a really nice dinner. Um, We barbecued a really big New York steak that we split in half. Got it nice and pink inside. And um, I made urban butter rice and roni. And I had some uh, Mickey Mouse ice cream bar just a little while ago.
0: What about you, Matt? What would you have? I had uh, leftover fried rice and dino nuggets (laughs) which are chicken nuggets made in the oven. It wasn't the healthiest of meals, but I'm asking you this question for a very specific reason, obviously, because the movie that we're gonna talk about was a movie that I was not, you know, super excited to watch because the main character, the main actor in it is not my favorite actor. But this was probably the best movie I've ever seen him in. And the movie came out in 2021 and is called Pig starring Nicolas Cage. And I don't have Nicolas Cage is so hit or miss for me. I mean, previously to this movie, I think my favorite movie of his was Valley Girl.
1: Mhm.
0: Which is I think the first movie he had like a leading role in. But, you know, a friend of mine had Turned me on to this movie, or said, hey, you should see this movie. Um, My wife watched it, said, oh my god, you're going to love this movie. I know it's Nicolas Cage, but he's really good in it. You'll be able to see past it, past his Nicolas Cage-ness. And um, enjoy it. And I really, I thought this was a really good movie. It's about a guy who has a pig, and it gets kidnapped. And he's on a mission to get his pig back, which is the total on-the-surface description of this movie. Yeah. But it is way more than just that. Mm-hmm. It takes place in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Pro- around now, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, that's correct. What you find out is this pig, which is a truffle-hunting pig. Upon it getting kidnapped, we learn a little bit more about Nicolas Cage's character, who at the beginning of the movie is just Rob. Mm-hmm. Rob, the guy who lives in a cabin in the middle of the woods and takes a dump in a, in a river yeah. and kind of looks like old man Nick Cage from Con Air and almost kind of <laughs> talks like him. I mean, Put
1: I, the bunny put in the, the bunny box. In.
0: It's cage air. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, he's super off the grid. And like
0: he's, he's super off the grid, and his job... No running
1: water. His
0: job, basically, that we can think of at the beginning of the movie is he looks for truffles in the forest and sells them. Yeah. But later we find out that his life is actually way more complicated, and or it was at one point way more complicated. And he is living off the grid pretty much to get away from his past, Mm -hmm. which is the easiest way to say it. Yep. And it turns out he was the greatest chef in the Portland area for many, many years Mm -hmm. to where he taught, you know, he, 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 he just, He was the man. He was the guy that everyone looked up to.
1: He's legendary.
0: Legendary. And he just, something, we don't know the specifics, but we know something happened to him in his life, and he decided to leave all that behind and go off the grid. So someone kidnaps his pig. He kind of has ideas of who, who would have done it. He has leads, and he goes on this mission. Now, that sounds like a very kind of typical Nicolas Cage movie.
1: And a little bit John Wick.
0: It, it kind of has, like, John Wick meets Cage air Nicolas Cage. Um,
1: not nearly uh, the same amount of action, though.
0: Yeah, and not, like, national treasure Nicolas Cage or face-off Nicolas Cage or any terribleness of mm, Nicolas God. Cage. But... <laughs> it ends up being a lot more about grief and mm-hmm. loss and solitude
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's the movie is like 2 plus hours long or no, no it's almost no. 2 hours. oh or is it another is it your no. 9 is it does it fit your 90 minute movie yeah
1: it's like not even an hour 40
0: okay so it's an hour but
1: or it kind
0: of but it feels feel why it you feels thinking? longer yeah. because the way it's directed and the way it's edited and everything—it's mm-hmm. very quiet. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of dialogue, Mm-mm. and while he does get angry at times, and you hear that you hear the traditional Nick Cage yelling a couple times, for the most part, he has a very calming kind of way of speaking mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. And the movie's kind of dark. It's shot kind of dark. Mm -hmm. It's Pacific Northwest, so it has that overcast, kind of muggy, cloudy look. And, yeah, it just feels like it's a longer movie. Not because it's slow in the sense that, like, the pace is really bad. But it's just very mellow. Yeah. Very mellow.
1: Well, you don't know where – you don't know which place – He's going to next. I mean, because he's not... He, he works with a guy named Amir who is comes out every week to buy the truffles from him. Yeah. And bring whatever supplies, whatever sundries he might need to get him through the next week or whatever. And he enlists Amir's help to kind of schlep him around to go to these different places to figure out, do you know where my pig is? Where's do my pig? Do you know where my pig is? Where can I find my pig? But he's not explaining to Amir where they're going or why they're going places or who they're going to meet, because he's keeping everything bottled up. So we, we as the audience, only find out once he's there.
0: Yeah, we're kind of like in, in a lot of ways, in Amir's shoes mm-hmm. as we're kind of on this journey. I mean, he just Amir is basically just the driver and like someone who kind of knows people in the restaurant in, industry. Mm-hmm. To kind of get him like he need at one point he needs to get a reservation at a restaurant yeah. so he can talk to the chef so he can get information yeah. as to who
1: he has facilitates the pig. certain things yeah. but he does kind you, of
0: clean him up after, yeah. after a couple interesting moments yeah but uh, um, but yeah. no I really I, I find that the look of this movie, some of the music some of, there's a lot of things about this movie that were just it was done really really well. I'm really kind of shocked that it didn't get any kind of, like, award consideration.
1: So I would say there's a a different reason why I like this movie. Um, I would say I'm a bit of a foodie. You know, I don't necessarily go out and explore all that much, but I do like a lot of different kinds of foods. Um, and I really like learning about different food and reading recipes. And even if I never get around to making them, it's still fun to research and learn about different ingredients. And this movie, I can see, has a very specific niche for foodies. Like, And in particular, this is going to sound crazy, but for people who watch Top Chef, <laughs> only in the sense that, you know, they're kind of doing some of the stuff that he talks about with like the behind the scenes and dealing with the different chefs that he's encountering or whatever. It just felt very familiar. Plus the last season of top chef I watched was set in Portland, Mm. which was just last year. So this environment felt very familiar. And like you hear so much about when the show top chef is being filmed, like a lot of the B roll dialogue or whatever you would say, um, Talks about the food scene for a specific area, and we heard a lot about how Portland is this up-and-coming um, food
0: Food-y food, kind food of capital earth. of the world, or whatever
1: you know. So, I mean, the fact that this movie's set there—I mean, obviously, it needed to be set there because of the whole mushroom foraging element of the pig. But you know, it was—it was kind of cool to have that connection for me while I was watching it. Um, you know, and there's. You know, there can be, like, a real pretentiousness amongst a lot of chefs. And I feel like... No. Yeah. So I think you, you get reminded of that through this whole thing. I mean, I'm just going to jump right in right now and tell you what my favorite scene in the movie was. Do you mind? Uh, sure. When they get their reservation at the fancy restaurant and oh. they're given the plate of food. Now, granted, I'm just going to reveal, I think at this point... We already saw um the underground chef fight club yes, scene. Yes. Okay.
0: So he was
1: Nicholas pretty Cage was bloody really at the, bloody at this like, point. He he doesn't be- we never see him shower in this movie. Sorry, spoiler alert. Don't uh, worry,
0: I'm not showered, so I I, <laughs> I came for the part. Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> but I mean like after he's presented with this very strange plate of food that had like Smoke underneath this glass it was shell, <laughs> like this glass display case, <laughs> and the poor waitress has to explain this thing oh with God. like the smoke of pine trees, or what it was, was it?
0: It was a plate with like two like eggs on it uh-huh. and a pine cone, yeah, pine and, cone. and and smoke in it. Like they had lit the pine cone yeah. on fire to give it the natural earthiness. Yep. Um, experience, and it kind of reminded me of Portlandia. A, well, there's definitely Portlandia aspects to that, where you're just like, "Oh my god, is Fred Armisen yeah, in the background uh, just to like talk about this?" But anyway, no, but it, it 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 just I was watching that, and I was kind of like, I wanted to laugh because the 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 waiter has like this like. Whole like she
1: had a whole speech. It's a very. It was long like she was telling it, it was
0: and it starts sounding like she's telling some story from Lord of the Rings or something like that. And it's yeah. got this whole kind of like just, I you know gag me kind of kind yeah. of story to go along with it. And then you, I'll let you continue. I was just going to say, you know when scene. when
1: they when they lift up this like glass enclosure with all the smoke coming out, I mean. It's like two little bites of food. It's really small. It's not and and I think Nicolas Cage just like scoops them up right away.
0: He grabs one and just sh- like eats it like a, like an oyster and the in the second one he just smushes with his thumb. Yeah, I mean he's, <laughs> he's just, just like not into it. He's
1: so unimpressed and I don't remember if he did that in front of the waitress or not, but he demands to speak to the chef. Yeah. And you know, the chef pops out and I don't know how long it took the chef to recognize him or
0: not. It was fairly quick. Yeah. Like, like, like he does this whole spiel about it, and Amir's like, well, tell him your name. And he doesn't even tell him his name. He just kind of looks up at him with, like, blood and, like, everything Do you on need him medical and, attention? And he just looks up at him, and he's like, oh, my God.
1: Sheffield. Sheffield. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of um, Sheffield's uh, superpowers is that he remembers everybody. Like, he's got, like, this photographic memory kind of thing.
0: He remembers every dish he's ever made and who he served it to.
1: Yep. But also who are everyone who ever worked for him because he remembered that this guy was a complete um, failure as a sous chef or whatever and he fired him after a couple of weeks but then you get to have this like real moment of truth of like when Chef Feld was in the industry and what a badass he was because of how he like takes down this guy in like a five minute conversation. Three minute conversation.
0: It, yeah, it was it was it amazing. Was so
1: it was my favorite scene.
0: That is an A plus scene. It was so good. It was that was a really good scene. And um probably I really like the scene. Probably my favorite scene besides that one. Um I think we can both agree that the that the Chef fight club scene oh. was very cool and unique. Yeah. I was not expecting that uh, no. at all. Nope um but uh the scene at the end when he and Amir make the dinner.
1: Yeah.
0: Is is pretty good. Yeah. And um making this special dinner for Amir's dad that has all these different aspects of the story. But Amir's yeah. dad's
1: a big giant butt face.
0: Butt face. yeah. Buttface. <laughs> That's the t- Nancy and I were talking about this slightly right before we were recording, and she just kept referring to him as buttface.
1: Yeah, I'm being really mature tonight, guys.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, I um I thought this movie was good. This you fun. Know, um I'm really glad that I was told to kind of get over my my uh, my cageism. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, enjoy, you know, I really enjoyed it. And, 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 you know, in hindsight, I know that Nicolas Cage kind of gets pigeonholed into doing like these, like movies where he's really wild and loud or has a lot of action or whatever. Um, but he always, but he does branch out and do more artistic stuff from time to time. And, uh, this is one I would recommend. He definitely does not look like Nicolas Cage.
1: Like all. you said, he looks like the older version of Connor Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so like twenty seven years later or something.
0: Yeah, he kind of has like like he's been a, he's been out of prison for a few few years. Yeah. Con kind of look.
1: The, this movie, I mean, his character in this had that. I mean, because <laughs> did you ever see Leaving Las Vegas?
0: Yes, once. Yeah,
1: so I mean, that similar. Because he's super depressed in that movie. I mean, and obviously, you know, an alcoholic. I mean, yeah, he you know drinks himself to death. But yeah, it was it was definitely it wasn't what I expected. I didn't really know much about it, like you said, other than a man who lives out in the wilderness by himself with a pig. His pig gets taken.
0: Yeah, if I didn't know, I mean, when I initially saw like the poster and that he was in it, my first thinking is it's like this is Nicholas Cage trying to do like saw like Ew. like like a, like like a horror movie and with like a pig or something like that and i was not yeah. expecting oh no it's about it's about cooking and grief and loss and yeah. dealing with with your demons and the connection that has with food yeah and and um which brings me to uh a homework assignment I gave you uh-huh. and I asked you to think of at least one you didn't have to come up with more than one but I don't you can tell me tell me if you did any extra credit but I wanted you to um, think of some meals that you might have had that are tied to a memory or some sort of part of your life and um so if you could please get out your trapper keeper and, okay. uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, tell us, you know, so do you have any, first of all, do you have any memorable food or meals, you know, food, you know, memories tied to a meal?
1: Sure. And audience, Matt told me he thought he knew of one I was going to say, but he wouldn't tell me what it was. So I'm going to make him do that in a moment.
0: Do, do one first. I can confirm whether that is it.
1: Oh, well, no, no. I, you can't confirm yes. Oh, you'll confirm if it's the one you were thinking it Yes, be. Okay. yes. Okay, so the first one I'm going to mention, because I have a few, but the first one I'm going to mention is when Mom and Dad and I went to Spain, the first place we went to was Barcelona. And the first thing we had, and I made a very deliberate point we had to get this, was we got um, paella. And we had sangria and paella. We ate outside. On, you know, it was so great. It was not a seafood paella because family members are not excited about that, which is fine. Um, had, like, chicken and maybe rabbit and just other kind of non-seafood animals. Um, but it was amazing, and it felt like we are finally here. We finally made it after a long journey trying to get to Spain. Um, And it was amazing. So that's the first one. Let me see if this is the one you're thinking. So a family meal that Jack grew up eating is called, it's a breakfast thing, and it's called a German pancake. Mm. And it's made with five eggs and a cup of flour, a cup of milk, basically cook that all together. Well, you blend that all together. You cook it in this beautiful pan of melted butter. You bake it for like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Um, some people put like powdered sugar in syrup. I also eat it with strawberries or other berries. And it's been something amazing for us since I met him. So was that the one you were going to say? Nope. Okay. Well, I don't know which one you're going to say.
0: Um, well, first I'll...
1: You I'll, can give I'll, me one of yours, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Or give
0: you... So I, may, I created this homework assignment, mm-hmm. and then I started trying to think about it. And I realized, like, at least now, and, and, and so maybe it's not as fresh in my mind, but my relationship with food might be a little different than yours. Like, I'm pretty – like, for example, I'm a very fast eater, mm-hmm. and a lot of my feelings about food typically are, like, I need it to, con- to live – so, yeah,
1: you've never enjoyed it. That I don't, I, do. I don't
0: have like, like, so like
1: there's certain, there's
0: certain aspects of like this movie too that, you know, where I'm just like, I just don't get it. Like yeah. this like desire to have like this thing, this food. Okay. I eat it and it comes out gross in the end. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, So a lot of my memories about food typically have to deal with people or occasions. Mm-hmm. And the connection I might have. Like, I definitely have a lot of different connections to certain things because it reminds me of like mom and dad. Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh,
1: I can ten, like You ten, could name like 10 things. At least. Like,
0: mom makes Swiss steak and um, meatloaf. And there's certain aspects of the things that she makes and that dad makes because mm-hmm. both of our parents are wonderful cooks. Yep. We are very fortunate for that. And yep. they've always been very generous about. Making food for us and sharing it not just with us but with friends and family, and having huge parties where they make food. it's yep. we're very blessed for all of that um, but then I have like certain memories about making food or like you like you had mentioned being in Spain, like having a certain know. thing like I'll never forget two things about when. My wife and I and mom and dad went to London. Jacket potatoes, which is basically kind of like a baked potato in in London, and back bacon, which I had never heard of. Ooh, what's
1: back bacon?
0: It's bacon made from a different part of the pig, I guess. I don't know. But I'll always remember, where did I first have a jacket potato or back bacon? Oh, yeah. And that's in London. Yeah. And there's tons of things like when you go on vacation, like you're always going to be like, "Remember that meal we had?" Because those are moments that you that you'll remember. Like, for example, another great example of a memory we had is when we went to Europe. This might seem kind of strange, but we decided we wanted to go to McDonald's in every country that we went to.
1: No, I think that's cool because I mean they're because they you want to see how every, different. Yeah, so and they are in every country. <clears evening, throat>
0: so, so I mean, getting you know, lay Big Mac, you know, <laughs> in Paris, or the fact that. When you go to McDonald's in Rome, um, they serve shrimp. Nice. You know, things like that. I mean, I'll always remember that because when you go there and you're consuming it, you're using all of your senses. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're, it, it ties to those memories. Um, so so that, was, that was kind of where I was going. I'll always remember other aspects like cooking in grandma's kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, making fried chicken with our yeah. uncle. You know, yep. stuff like that. I didn't. I don't remember what it tasted like, but I remember mashing the potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So I mean, there's this whole kind of other aspect to food where it's like it's not just about consumption; it's about doing something together. I mean, yeah. it'd be the same for someone who, you know, works in there on a car, you know, with a family member or something like that. There's those kinds of memories.
1: Well, what about like, like the pot roast with like the potatoes and the carrots and the celery? I remember that for two the reasons. The gravy. Oh my God. Well, you know, I know what you're about to say.
0: I remember that because we Dad had ruins a, it. <laughs> no.
1: I thought you were going to say because he puts cream corn and ketchup on top of it.
0: No, that is terrible, <laughs> but that's not what I was going to say. No, um, it's because it bothers my stomach. I can't oh, eat beef, so, that's so I can't. Sad. So like, so like for years we would go to oh. we would go to grandma's and she, and they would always make like that really thin cut roast mm-hmm. that was in like the gravy. Mm-hmm. And it was so delicious, and it always bothered my stomach. And Aww. and I never told any. I didn't tell anyone at the house like, oh, I can't
1: eat this yeah. because bathroom for the rest yeah of the day. Our, our grandma um grew up in iowa so it's very very midwestern roots for some of um,
0: lots of meat and potatoes
1: lots of meat and potatoes but oh so delicious
0: so delicious so no so the memory i thought you were going to bring up
1: oh i know now making donuts with dad in the morning
0: no that's a good one but we i can't didn't do that very much though we did that a few probably times. ten times. Yeah. from when we grew up. But um, since I don't eat donuts anymore, I wasn't going to think of that. No, I thought you were going to bring up. We scoop the onions.
1: Well, that's not technically a food memory,
0: but it's tied to like that whole kind of thing. <laughs> so, can okay. you tell the we scoop yes. the onion story? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, so
1: <laughs> so junior in high school. Me and three of my dearest friends who the four of us together still hang out all the time. Well, not as much during the pandemic, but, you know, have a text chain going. We're, you know, frickin' frack, you know. Often if one of us is seen out in public and runs into someone else from the olden days, we're asked, oh, how are the other three? So early get-together with the four of us, we go to a restaurant called Casa Carlitas, which is long gone. It's now an Applebee's, um, has been an Applebee's for 20-plus years. And I took a lot of Spanish in high school. And, you know, I was showing off, ordering or whatever. And I'm always very chatty and friendly. And our waiter had mentioned it was his birthday. So I rattled off, oh, feliz cumpleaños. And this guy who looked like he spoke Spanish looks at me and he goes we scoop the onions <laughs> what we scoop the onions and this has absolutely become the the birthday greeting that me and my three girlfriends and obviously my brother and other I family re- members have um, kind of mentioned because how ridiculous like who would scoop onions what the heck does that mean why would some random stranger at a restaurant say that to a waiter and not process I was actually saying. Feliz cumpleaños.
0: In a in a Mexican restaurant. In a Mexican restaurant.
1: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. No, that is not what I was thinking because that doesn't technically deal do with food other than us going to that restaurant. But
0: yes. It, Matt. it talks oh. about it talks about onions. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was that was pretty pretty silly.
0: I thought you would talk about that one, but that's yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, gosh, we could we could talk about so many foods. I mean, our dad loves cooking so much. Our dad, you know, when we go on our trips, you know, he's he never has really enjoyed going out to restaurants much because he loves cooking so much. Like and, it's just,
0: and he thinks he can do it better.
1: Well, because
0: he can make it the way he wants it, not how the restaurants gonna. Yeah, make it I
1: mean, yeah. you know, that, that that's fine. But I mean, he, you know in all fairness he's a very good cook and i don't there's very I,
0: I no complaints not, there's no complaints
1: and he you know he really enjoys making sure people um enjoy what he's making you know if somebody has like a food issue or whatever he's more than happy to accommodate it and
0: totally um
1: and our mom is the same way you know i i think cuz our mom had spent so much time having to just like the, there was like a drudgery to cooking dinner every night for a fa- a young family I
0: don't know how much she still enjoys cooking. Let's let's put it this way. Dad loved casseroles (laughs) with peas and potatoes and ground beef and onions that we hated. Other people
1: would call this a shepherd's pie. Oh, okay. Just a technical
0: name. And we didn't like it growing up, but mom would make it just for him. And he'd eat it over like four days, because you can't just it's make a, a you can't make a little shepherd's pie. You gotta make like the whole big thing. And um, but it's not like she forced she never forced us to to eat it.
1: I think we and, had like hamburger fatties or something instead. Yeah.
0: And that again is us, you know, being very, very fortunate to have <laughs> those kinds of options. And I guess that's a kind of another thing that's really interesting about this movie is while uh, Rob, Robin, Chef Feld, whatever they want to call him throughout the movie, depending on what status you are in the Portland chef arena. Um, you know, he kind of has like this very kind of interesting perspective of like, no one's going to remember you cause you made the food. No one cares. You know, there's just certain aspects of it. That's why as a chef, you need to do what you like. And that's part of that whole speech that he gives
1: uh, Oh my favorite scene. In
0: your favorite scene. You know, just kind of like you know, if you're not if you're not doing what if, if you're not getting the, the pleasure out of it as you're doing it and remembering, you know, mm-hmm. how it's that you're making something you're proud of that represents like you and then you present it to someone else, the gratifying thing is how they remember it. And um I thought that was kind of interesting. I forget which where I was going with this, but that was a. I thought that was a really interesting aspect of the movie where he's he's a lot more philosophical about it, which is probably why he could walk away from what he was, what his previous life was, and then just hide in the woods somewhere. I,
1: I would say that kind of another way of describing that philosophy is the whole um, in twenty years. No one's going to remember, like, what you wore, what you said, this or that. They will always remember how you made them feel. And I feel like that's kind of what he's getting at with that. Like, people will remember if they were blown away by a meal. They'll remember, too, if it was horrible. (laughs) But, I mean, they'll remember, like, the emotion behind the food.
0: And and if he's not... You know, and the point he was trying to make to the other chef was like, if you're not doing, if you're just kind of doing it because it's a job and not doing it because it's something you're passionate about, or if it's what you really like, yep. Then how how good is it going to be, and yep. and like how important is it going to actually be to you? You know, are you just you know a cog in the machine, or are yeah. you actually trying to like make someone feel good?
1: you know well and to kind of expand on what was happening in that scene um nicholas cade or chef Feld pins down this chef saying you wanted to open up a pub why didn't you and he gives a very logical explanation for what it meant to you know what the restaurant industry is like you know investors weren't interested it's not something that would work here you know all these are like very rational reasons for why he had to think outside the box and do something that wasn't his exact passion but like what chef felt is saying then i guess it, is it even worth it to compromise your dream of doing that scottish egg something or other he wanted
0: to do like a traditional pub food kind of thing, but like with his own flair.
1: Yeah. And, and, and and cause, cause you know, cause Chef L was like, what was your signature disc going to be? And he rattled it off like immediately. And it was almost like, and it was like, you could tell in that one conversation that he had, like at the end of that shift, was this guy going to change his life? Like that was kind of the thing I took away from that scene was, is he going to now maybe radically change his life?
0: I wasn't. Maybe just, not. Well, and not just that, but just like. Because he tells him, I've only, you know, you worked for me for two months and I fired you because you overcooked the pasta yep. all the time, right? The fact that he remembered that uh-huh. and that he remembered that he was going to own a pub, it had been 15 years since he had really probably mm-hmm. known this guy and yeah. he still remembered all of that. Yeah. That was a great way for him to manipulate him into being like, like, I know you almost better than you know yourself. Yeah. Where the fuck is my pig? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and
1: the other, you know, the other real irony too is that it's like Chef Fell living off the grid and away from the whole scene. In some ways, it's like, why the hell does he care? You know, other than the fact that someone in the restaurant industry kidnapped his pig and he has to deal with that person. That's all, and that's in all the end, he cared about. Why does, why would he even bother? tearing down this guy or, you know, like you know, giving him this big truth bomb that he didn't ask for, you know, all he was... The only reason he even confronted this guy was because he figured he'd have some information yep. on how to find his... Anyways, so interesting. I mean, and, and again, it's like, you know, Chef Feld was this total guru. You know, he was this really, really renowned chef in the area, and he just abandoned it, um, yet people still still thought of him as this very um, amazing figure. In fact, Amir didn't even know who he was.
0: Amir knew of him as Rob.
1: Rob, the guy who can hunt for mushrooms with a pig. That's it. He well, didn't know that he was this amazing chef.
0: That's the other thing that I think is really kind of cool about the way they did this movie is... Typically, like, would you say the movie's almost 90 minutes?
1: Yeah, it's like an hour 40.
0: Okay, so the movie's like an hour 40. Typically in a movie like this, there would have been, like, flashbacks and, like, this whole, f- like, someone's giving this whole monologue about, you know, giving Feld's backstory about what happened. And we never his- know. And they really don't go into it. You know that he had a wife that died. Yeah. And, you know, he was a chef, and at some point... Maybe he poisoned her by accident. I don't know. (laughs) And at some point, he just walked away, and kind of probably to the shock of everybody, and you meet a couple people that were his friends, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a long conversation going on and on and on about the past. Mm -mm. And I thought that was really cool, because it wasn't necessarily about his past, in a sense that you didn't, it was cool that he was renowned and that people recognized him. But that's all you needed to tell that story. Mm-hmm. You didn't need some whole backstory. All you needed was the impact that he had coming back into the scene yep. to show this is what he was about. You don't know all the details, but you don't, But that's all you needed. And
1: that ultimately exemplifies exactly what he said. Because it's like the details themselves didn't matter. It was just the feelings that were left that were still there. That's yeah. all that mattered. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think for um, someone who became so reclusive and just literally disconnected from everybody, keeping it very mysterious, I think, made the movie more interesting.
0: Way more interesting.
1: He did reveal something about the house he lived in. And it's so funny because I thought of you as soon as he said it. They had a persimmon tree. Oh, and yes. And he like went on yeah. this whole explain, explanation for how bo- most of the time persimmons are actually disgusting to eat because they have tannins, which, of course, is like a winery term. Um,
0: well, And, and you then have they to finally eat, get
1: sweet at like a one little time. And then you I'm have it. to
0: eat them like right away. Yeah. Like right when they're ripe <laughs> enough, you have to eat them. I also don't like the texture of them. I have a tree. I give away the persimmons. Yeah. Almost all the time. There have been years where we have I'm, had bad batches.
1: I didn't even try them this year. Like, I think I I think I was over here when we were picking them that one time. I never even ate them.
0: Yeah. No, I'm not a fan.
1: <laughs> it made me laugh. It's like, of all, of all the fruit trees he could be talking about. Oh, I'm going to talk for five minutes about persimmons.
0: Yeah. No, it wasn't that long. He was explaining it to a kid. It felt like five minutes. Well, that's just because. <laughs> of the cadence he uses. <laughs> the cage cadence that he uses. Yeah. Um but
1: No, I recommend this movie. I think I think it was really good. I'm yeah. glad that you suggested it.
0: Yeah, no, I um I'm glad people suggested it to me. That I'm glad it wasn't a big like like torture porn movie and it actually was like a good artsy movie. I think that you don't necessarily need to be a foodie to like it. It's not a foodie movie. It is a it's just a good movie and um it, it definitely is somber you know, it's not, you're not going to walk out of this movie, you know, like, oh, right, that was great. You're going to be walking out of it like, wow, that was very thoughtful. Yeah. That was a very thoughtful movie. Let's go yeah. have some dinner. I mean, you I you do know. get, I, I do recommend eat before you watch this movie. Oh, or,
1: or have something to munch on while you're watching it. Definitely. Yeah. it's... Uh, There's lots of food. Just like how when I was doing my Sopranos rewatch, I had to always have something to eat while I was watching that show because that show made me so hungry.
0: They do eat a lot. They
1: eat so much on that show. It's amazing. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. And it was fun to talk about. Yeah. So, well, and uh, if anyone has any memorable meals that they've had, let us know. I'd love to hear about them.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to talk about food. I I love talking about food.
0: Maybe uh, pass on your favorite recipe. I don't know. (laughs) Odds are it won't make it.
1: Come on. Bust out the George Foreman. Make your make a recipe.
0: If it's George Foreman related, I will definitely give it a try. Yeah. Any George Foreman recipes, I'll definitely give it a try. <laughs> That's how I make French toast now. It's the best way to make French toast. I swear to God.
1: Instead of frying it in a pan?
0: Instead of or in a pan. cooking it in a pan? Instead of in a pan. I just do all the same stuff, but put it on the George Foreman grill. It gets done really quick. Both sides at the same time. There you go. <laughs> Hey, got to make it work. Got to make it work. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. This is Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. Thank you very much.